I'm Jack Moylan, and you're listening to Let's Talk Business, a podcast geared towards young professionals served with a side of witty commentary. At Lutz, we rally around the mantra, make light, meaning be lighthearted, illuminate solutions, and create energy. We hope this episode will do just that. Let's make the complex simple. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Business. Today, we are talking about charitable giving. We're joined again by the lovely Lisa Strutzel. Thank you for joining us. That's Family Office Services Director. We are also joined by Matt Darling, who's Executive Vice President at Omaha Foundation. So thank you both for joining us. I'm really excited. Let's get started. Lisa, why are we talking to you about charitable giving? Hi, Jack. Thanks for having me here. Well, as Family Office Services Director at Lutz, I work with families to help them sustain their wealth over generations. And families that are successful at creating wealth and keeping it share some common best practices. And one of them is they engage in family philanthropy. Sure. That makes sense. So you're helping them kind of navigate the waters of who to go to, where to give to, or connect them to people like Matt, who I'm assuming will let you have your time to introduce yourself, but who he can help them figure out where to go, right? Yeah, and we're helping them try to determine what kind of legacy they want. And, you know, legacy is basically the platform you create to support the success of others. So how do you pass your knowledge and wealth to others during and or after your death to make the world a better place? That's what it means to create a legacy. Awesome. Awesome. So Matt, can you give us a little brief introduction of what you do and even maybe a little bit of your personal past as some context, I rather, as to who you are, why you do what you do? Sure. Happy to do it. Matt Darling at the Omaha Community Foundation. I am the executive vice president, been there for about eight years. My role as executive vice president is to oversee some of the uh, operations and strategy of the foundation in partnership with the president and CEO and some other executive team members, but also to work directly with our 1,800 donors and the roughly 1.3 billion of assets that we oversee that are held in the various donor charitable funds. Most commonly, that is the donor advised fund, but we also have a large uh, number of other types of funds, including some of those that are focused directly and strictly on legacy giving and legacy structures, as Lisa had mentioned. A little bit of my background, I was an entrepreneur for about a decade, divested myself of a couple of business interests and went into philanthropy, did kind of a 180 so that I could experience a whole new world and also just follow a little bit of more passion-oriented drive each day. Interesting. Well, thank you very much for joining us. I also saw a little bit of uh, homework. You've got a passion for the outdoors, which you and I share, which is fantastic. And you're a glass blower. I am. I am. <laughs> do you practice currently? I do. I do. I was fortunate enough to have a degree in art along with business and economics in there and did glass blowing throughout the country and a little bit across the globe and still do it today. That is fantastic. Sure. Do you think the creative side of your your art background, has that helped you and and been beneficial to you and your business experiences? Oh, for sure. I think anytime that you can approach any problem, whether it was my entrepreneurial world or my philanthropic world that I now live in, with a left and right brain approach, when you can combine that, problem solving becomes a lot more enjoyable and a little bit easier. Yeah, right. I'm sure. And you're probably very willing to let in differing opinions and perspectives. Always. Yeah. Awesome. So so how did you guys meet each other? Well, Matt and I are both charter advisors of philanthropy, and that's a cap 
designation and we earned that. It took it takes about a year. We went through three master's classes, if you will, that taught us the skills that we needed to advise clients on charitable giving. So that's really the avenue that we met each other in. And what we do is work with clients to help them create legacies that intentionally pass both wealth and values to their children. Fantastic. And so you guys met through that cap. Is it classes or a, a training or how, how'd that work? It's a program that the Omaha Community Foundation partnered with a gentleman named Mark Weber, who is a principal and shareholder over at the Silverstone Group. And Mr. Weber and OCF got together to put on this class and help facilitate it through the American College, which is based in, I believe, Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania. And it's a financial institution with financial accreditation and classes of such. And we've, I think, gone now through eight years of these courses. And each year we have about 12 to 16 people, four from the financial advising community, four from nonprofit accounting, and then another four from estate planning. And so we've been there how long ago, Lisa? Maybe four or five years now? I was 2016. I think you were before me, but... Yeah, so we're 100 strong in Omaha. We're one of the, I think, most prominent CAP groups. And we really have a great group of people that care about helping people with their legacies, with legacy creation. And that's really what being charitable is all about. So that's a good segue into our topic. No, absolutely. And I guess uh, just a little bit more, I'm still curious about what you do, Matt. So it sounded like more, or I guess majority of your work is with donors and that end of the spectrum, as opposed to the charity or nonprofit end. Is that true? Not true? How much involvement do you have with finding the right place for people to give to? So that's a great question. Myself and my team, the donor services team, we work really closely with the donors. We work more in the technical tools, more of the transactional side of facilitating dollars and complex assets into the foundation, always for tax advantages and for the simplification of charitable giving from the technical and transactional side. But we also work really closely with the donors and then also our community investment team to assist the donors in their research, in their planning, governance, strategy around their charitable giving. And one thing that's pretty fun at OCF is that we work with donors that are giving away five or $10,000 a year. And we work with donors that are giving away 50 or $100 million a year. And so that kind of variety, not only is really nice to serve the community as a whole, but it's also really fascinating and that we are able to dig into nonprofit work much differently. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. So it's the donor services group and the community investment group is kind of those two representations of the different sides of the the equation, right? So that's really neat. You know, I also noticed there's 700 community foundations in town. I didn't realize that. That's, That's a lot. What's that? In the country. In the country. Okay. But I was thinking of as far as nonprofits and charities yeah. around town, there's a ton of them. Yeah. So how do you even begin to narrow down where you want to give, how much you want to give? And I'm sure the community investment team helps a lot, but what's your advice there? That's a great question. There are about 3,500 nonprofits in and around Omaha. Now those range yes. from one that maybe an individual started on their own and has no real employees, only a, a volunteer or two up to some of our largest nonprofits in the community. The simplest way that I can state in how we approach 
connecting and finding nonprofits for donors that don't already have their paths designed is we ask questions and we listen. And then we keep asking questions and listening. And everybody, whether it's on the tip of their tongue or not, they know where they want to give. Sometimes they just need those probing questions to be able to pull it out of them and their family members and and multiple generations that are making the decisions. Sure. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I guess it really depends on, you know, what your priorities are for not only you and your family, but also the direction you think the community should go in as well. I mean, there's all different kinds of, whether it's my girlfriend's dad is on the board or he helps out with a nonprofit here in town that helps out single women and children in South Omaha, you know? So really, I mean, you can get, I'm sure, really specific and stay, or stay really broad with your search for those. One of the things you mentioned was, you know, the impact on taxes and making sure that the tax benefits are there, whether this is, you know, a better question for Lisa or or for you, Matt, what things are there to keep in mind when looking for places to donate in regard to taxes and how can you help benefit individuals in terms of taxes? Well, I'll leave the tough part of that question to the CPA in the room. That knows far more than me. I'll say, oh, oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> what community foundations and donor advised fund providers as a whole, what we provide is the simplification of the charitable process. So people, corporations, families, individuals, whatever it might be, can give a donor advised fund typically a very complex asset, whether that is real estate, whether that is privately held securities is very popular. Of course, public securities, cash equivalents, things of that sort. They can give it to a donor advised fund in in mass and in one large number that makes sense for their tax position and their wealth position. And then they can divvy it up into a lot of smaller increments and pieces to nonprofits. But then when they go back to their CPA, they have just one gift receipt for the entire amount. We love that. Yes, we love that. But uh, that is the beauty of giving to a community foundation. The neat thing about that is you can talk with your tax prepare at the end of the year and they might say, hey, it's tax advantage to you to give, to lump your donations in the current year. So you can say, well, I don't really know who I want to give to at the end of the year. You know, this is a rush time for me. But what you can do then is make one donation to the community foundation. And then that goes in as your donation amount for the year. So you satisfy, you know, that tax advantage or tax need, if you will. And then you can take that money and then decide where to put it in subsequent years. So you take the tax right off in the year you need it. And then you decide what charities you support then whenever you want to, which is the beauty of giving to a community foundation. And without really getting into the weeds, because, you know, everybody is unique in their tax circumstances. The neat thing in 2020, um, you know, one of the very few good things that came out of the pandemic is that in 2020, they're allowing people, even if you don't itemize your deductions, even if you take a standard deduction where, you know, if you give, if you give a certain amount of your taxes and you take a standard deduction, you don't maybe have as big of an impact if you make a charitable deduction if you're not itemizing. But you can, in addition to your standard deduction, you can deduct up to $300 in cash donations to qualified 501c3 charities. So everybody can take who is a standard deduction person, which is like $12,400 for a single individual, can take another $300 deduction 
and that's per return on their tax return. So if you're married and you're taking the standard deduction, which is basically double the single deduction, you can still take another, which is 24.8, you can still take another $300 on your tax return. So I'm telling people, heck, why not? If you have $300 at the end of the year, give $300. You'll get a charitable deduction and you'll help out charities. And just think if everybody did that, how much of an impact we would have. And, and, you know, donating is a win-win. So it helps the charity and it can be a great tax write-off for the giver. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, it also, I I have a fun fact for you. Okay. Want my fun fact? Being charitable has been proven to have physical and psychological benefits. So, Physical and psychological benefits. So research has shown that charitable individuals live live longer and happier lives. And it's actually been proven to, if you're charitable, to help lower your blood pressure, lower your stress levels, you have less anxiety and depression, and you increase your self-esteem. So it's like, you know, yeah, okay, getting a tax benefit is good, but having those health benefits is really great. Absolutely. So that, that's, you know, another reason why, you know, it's so important to be charitable. Right. Well, I think to that point, I, I think it's fantastic. I didn't even think of it from the perspective of giving your donation to a foundation. If you're not prepared to decide on which charity or nonprofit to give to, that way you can receive the tax benefits of that, that year. Mm-hmm. Also, I think to that note, that's probably the thing that keeps holds people up more often than not is, well, I don't know where I want to get to. Right. You know? Exactly. And how do I decide? And Matt can talk about there's a, a really neat new initiative going on in the Omaha community. From everything I'm reading, it's sounding like people, because of the pandemic, people are looking closer to home to give their donations. And, you know, Omaha is a a great community to do that. So Matt, can you talk about Share Omaha and what's going on with that? Yeah, sure, certainly. I think anytime you work with individuals that have varying capacity, you wanna make sure that the opportunity is there for any and all people to give. That transcends all giving strategies, giving amounts and generations and ages, of course. One thing that we have done in the past is had a program called Omaha Gives, which is an online day of giving. Just recently, we're not uncommon in doing that across community foundations. There's, I'd be guessing on this, but I think about 400 or so across the country that does something similar. What we just recently announced was a partnership with an organization called Share Omaha, in which our Omaha Gives proper will close down and the day that we've in the past, for the past eight years, facilitated giving on that one day. And we're going to wrap it into Share Omaha, which is a nonprofit here in Omaha that is about three years old, I believe. And they focus really on three different silos of giving. And they do it year round. And it's it's incredibly effective. The first silo is focusing on the tangible needs of organizations. So this comes down to anything from post-it notes and paper clips to copy machines and a new van. And they put these needs online and you can go and look and find your organization that you want to benefit find some very specific things, purchase them right there through, I believe, an Amazon cart, and it arrives at the doorstep of the nonprofit within a day or so. With your name on it. It's called Shop for Good, right, Matt? There you go. Spot on. Yeah, it's exactly yeah. right. And then the next silo is going to be cash and dollars, similar to a lot of what OCF does. And then the third is volunteerism. It's the, the first time in my opinion, and I'm probably going to offend a nonprofit sometime in our history, that we've really had a mechanism here in town in Omaha 
to showcase the volunteer needs across the community. You know, volunteerism, it's a heavy lift and it's an unusual animal because some organizations want a lot of volunteers for a short period of time to do project XYZ. And then other organizations really need volunteers to learn the trade and to be consistent, regular volunteers once a week, once every two weeks, so that they're advancing the mission of the nonprofit on a regular basis and they're helping and they learn the system. The nonprofit's not having to retrain somebody every week or two. So what this platform does is it can essentially play matchmaker from somebody that's sitting on their couch or sitting in their office or sitting on their phone. And it's really quite a nice system. So you're saying you don't have to have a million dollars to participate in that. I mean, you can find somewhere that just needs my time. Right. You know, you don't have to have any dollars. Yeah. And during the pandemic, you know, COVID's making it tough for a lot of people. There's a number of people in our community are downsized. So I always tell people if, you know, think about around the holidays, all the people in need. And if you can't give of your cash, try action versus donation. Sure. Well, I, I think that's great. I mean, we had in high school, I went to Scut, we have a day called Community Involvement Day, which is an entire day dedicated to going out in the community and in our homerooms, we're, we're, you know, assigned a specific charity, nonprofit, school, whatever it is, and we go out and spend the entire day helping out. Now, that's just one day, but then, of course, there's the, you know, community involvement hours that you have to, that you have to maintain throughout going to school, but it's just that same kind of huge push going out there. I mean, even... Us as high schoolers, I remember coming back to school feeling pretty empowered and ready to help out the the community and feeling more connected for sure. That's a great way to teach kids how to be philanthropists. Yeah. Get them started early with volunteering. Well, and that's one thing too. I mean, you know, a lot of times we think about whether it's, oh, I need to think of a, a side gig to make more money or I need to, you know, I don't have enough money to give to a donation or a charity or a nonprofit. It's like, well, actually, you think about the wrong way. We all have time. We all have extra time. I mean, I, I know that we complain about not having enough time, but there's at least three, four, five hours a week that we all could, could scrape together to do something. And, you know, the need is right now, nonprofits are really struggling with the pandemic. I've talked to so many that are like, this is going to be our worst year on the books for getting really? donations. So if people have a little expendable cash or you have time, don't wait till Christmas, you know, which a lot of times we do. We're like, we want to do something really nice around the holidays, but they need help now. So I would encourage people get it done in November before you go through all the, you know, Christmas rush and the craziness start. Go to the Share Omaha website and look up and try to, you know, figure out what areas you want to support. Is Share Omaha, is that, I mean, would that be the best place for people to go to figure out how to help out or where, you know, where that resource is, Matt? Yeah, I think so. You know, they can definitely go to Share Omaha and find a couple of organizations or an organization that makes the most sense for them. We also do, the Omaha Community Foundation does still have a very large database online through the omahagives.org website that I think that anybody can enter in the interest that they have, whether it's environment, human services, religious affiliations, sports, whatever it might be, and they can find a list of nonprofits that suits their needs. 
And that's a good way to support locally. But if you want to support more globally, or if you want to maybe focus on COVID assistance, even outside the state of Nebraska, which you don't have to, but a lot of people want to, Mm -hmm. there's really good websites like the Fidelity Charitable website has non-local causes that focus on COVID assistance and they group them and they group them like supporting medical needs, protecting vulnerable population, and then just sustaining nonprofits. And that's a good place to go to if you want to have a more global focus. But when I talk to clients, we talk about how they want to have an impact on society because that's creating a legacy. And some of the questions I ask them to think about is, well, okay, you know, do you want to help somebody, those in greatest need, Do you want to focus on organizations you care most about? How about causes you care most about supporting your community or making a difference globally? And then if you, you know, go through kind of those type of questions, you can narrow it down to say, okay, I just want to support my, maybe my local community. Well, then you can turn to share Omaha or I want to support globally. So then, you know, maybe you want to go to one of the, you know, like a Fidelity or Schwab or some kind of website like that, but it's really, Really important to talk with your friend. It's really important to to know, you know, what you care most about. I think that's the biggest thing. Just really taking time to sit down and say, you know, where do I think I want to focus my giving? Right. Well, and I think it's at least when I when I try to figure out where I would like to volunteer, give my time at some point. Hopefully, in the future, you know, be more more donation focused. But I like to think about what interests me. Right. So I, I'm like you, Matt. I'm avid outdoorsman. I like fishing. I like mm-hmm. hunting. And there's a really cool thing that you can go out and shoot deer in in deer season and donate the meat to local lockers that are are partnering with non nonprofits or, or local charities and they actually use that to feed feed the needy which is, i think is really cool so you know just driving the conversation around well what is it what are your interests yeah. and, and what are your passions and i guarantee there's a charity out there for it right exactly yeah absolutely I, I have a quick question matt how if at all are you guys at all operationally involved with nonprofits or charities around town no, not really. We have some programs that work with nonprofits around town. So we do some what's called nonprofit capacity building, various nonprofits and, and putting them through this program to assist in some of their strategic mindset and planning. But overall, we try to stay out of operations directly with the nonprofits. We do have a fairly large number of grant cycles that nonprofits can apply for. But because we facilitate so many dollars through our doors each year, typically somewhere between 150 to $200 million out our door every year, we try to abstain from, from working directly in an operational style with too many nonprofits. So what's your question on operations? So I have a client, I'm in the tech group here at Lutz. And so I have a client who's a foundation and they are operationally somewhat. I mean, if I, if I talk to my point of contact there, he'd probably say, well, not quite as much as I'm making it sound like, but I know that financially they help them out in terms of, you know, CFO functions and financial management organization, just making sure that, you know, they're keeping their books organized so that when people go to give, they know that, you know, the financials are solid behind these organizations. I just know that, you know, from a perspective of giving, you know, millions of dollars, obviously you probably want to know that it's, it's being spent wisely. Right. And not only that, but you, I mean, when I talk about operations, then you talk about, 
who are the people at these foundations or I'm sorry, at these charities or nonprofits, the best employees any of us have have probably been around a long time. And like you said, know the, they actually know the process. So just, I was curious about that. If you're a donor, there's some ways you can go about evaluating a charity. And there's a couple really good online resources that I like to use. I mean, I know that they're not the only ones, but Charity Navigator and GuideStar are two really good online rating systems for nonprofits. And, and you know, I'm an accountant, so I really get into looking at the financial performance of a nonprofit, which right. maybe you wouldn't think right. that's as neat as I do. But, but I know there's people like you out there. Yeah. <laughs> no, but the good thing, at a minimum, if you want Charity Navigator, these are free. I right. mean, Charity Navigator has a Starbase rating system sure. with four being the highest. And so you can just go on and look and see what they're rated. I mean, I personally, if a nonprofit's rated a one and I'm concerned about how they're spending my money, I probably would not want to give to them. But if they're rated a four, I can feel pretty comfortable that their financial affairs are in order and also their policies and procedure are in order because these rating systems look at the tax returns for the nonprofits that are called 990s. And the 990s go through not not only what the balance sheet and income statement says for nonprofit, but also all the policies and making sure you're you're adhering to good governance. So it, it's it's an a very lengthy. Limit, right? it, it's a very complicated tax return. So sure. it's like an internal audit kind of thing. Right. Then they look at they look at websites and they see what's disclosed on websites for transparency. And then they look at audit reports to see that they actually got a they're not a going concern on their audit report. So you can, there's a lot of resources online if you want to check them out. And then if you go into Charity Navigator, it'll take you to another site where it rates the top nonprofits or it gives you ideas on based on what your interests are and who you can give to and how those entities are rated. So it's all out there if you want to spend a little bit of time. It doesn't take a lot of time, but it's not that hard to evaluate a nonprofit. Those sound like awesome resources. And I'm sure the community investment group is is doing that portion. Yeah, I think, you know, what I would add add to that, and Lisa's spot on that from a financial governance and administrative perspective, those resources are stellar. They're aggregating data, analyzing it, and producing a number based upon best practices across the country. I think there's about 1.1 or 1.2 million 501c3 public charities in the country. So it's a it's a stock market. What they don't get and what is interesting when you work with a community foundation or a like type and entity is really having the finger on the pulse of the need, the leadership and the impact in the community. And that's what our community investment team and really our entire organization does on a daily basis. So when we are able to work with donors that are able to to see the financial side, but then also learn about what the impact is. And and I'll tell you, there's some nonprofit leaders, leadership in the nonprofit world is so important to effective results and impact. And so it's really a, a great combo when you can combine that financial knowledge and understanding with what's being done with the boots on the ground. Right. Well, and you mentioned, a, I think, a really important point there is, you know, having a finger on the pulse of what's needed. Right. I mean, we look at it from the perspective of, well, I want my money to go to work and do something great. Say, like, OK, but these guys really need your money. and Maybe your money will allow them to hire someone that can drive operational performance. that will really get us the results that we want in the community. So that's 
That's pretty fantastic. Yeah, and it's it kind of comes down to impact too. You right. can give to a huge nonprofit, and maybe you're just a you know tiny little donation, but then you give to somebody in your local community that's a less than a million dollar nonprofit, and and your your dollars are going a lot further. So it kind of you know all about what you want, what your focus is. I, I do tell people to be intentional with their giving, and you know I used to give. To whoever asked me, but I, I mean, basically, it was like, oh, yes, I'll give you twenty-five bucks. You know how it's every. I read a Facebook article. Yeah, and, and, and why not? I'll just give to everybody, sure. and, and they call that it's like peanut butter giving, like you're spreading your money thin, which I always thought that was funny. It really is better off for the nonprofit and for you if you don't spread your giving so thin and maybe try to go deeper and make a bigger impact. So I always say that to people, instead of, you know, giving 10 to hundred bucks to everybody, why don't you focus a little bit? So hopefully I'm not, you know, alienating anybody by saying that, but no, I can think of that, Matt. Yeah. We use more of a hunting analogy. We we call it scattershot, like a shotgun (laughs) where it's just broad and there's all these little, little bits of donation out there. And then at the end of the year, when you look at it, you think, I mean, that's fine because my friend asked me, but I don't have any passion for that. And so finding the passion is where somebody will. But what did you say earlier, Lisa, that it's it, it makes you healthier, happier and yeah, lower your blood pressure, all kinds of good stuff. That's connecting to the connecting to the right nonprofit. Mm-hmm. So along the lines of, I mean, there's, you know, donating the resources, which I really think that's a cool, that's a fantastic thing that you can go on and buy in, you know, buy items on Amazon and have it show up, you know, under your name and then obviously donating money, you know, financial end of it. But on the volunteering side, do you guys do anything or, or help provide services if, if people want to be involved on an operational level with nonprofits? I know now we're talking about kind of employment realm, but, you know, if someone, some people that have, if they have enough money to give to these donations, you know, to these charities or nonprofits, maybe they want to be on the board. I mean, how, how do you connect people with that? How can they go about figuring out, you know, at least getting involved on that level? You know, we have sometimes where we make connections from people that have approached us and wanting, they're interested in being on a board and we help them just generate some organizational names that might be the right fit and we connect them. We don't facilitate the process of them being on a board. There's no kind of system in place for that. Because again, I think that that giving, giving as a whole, whether it is giving of your time, talent, treasure, or ties, it's very personal. It's inherently personal. And so we always encourage we're happy to supply a list if somebody's interested in homelessness and we can supply them a list of the organizations that are doing work with the homeless population, but let them take the next steps to really develop the passion. Sure. That, well, that makes sense. I mean, you guys probably have one of the more extensive networks. So, you know, even just connecting people is enough at that level. And, you know, you can go on, if you're interested in a nonprofit, you can go online, look at their website, look and see who's on their board and reach out if you do want to be on the board or you know, maybe on the guild, reach out to somebody on the board, or you might know somebody, or even if you don't, it doesn't hurt. I've been on a number of boards, and if somebody called me with an interest, 
I would invite them to come to a board meeting and sit in, get to know them better, go out for coffee with them. But also if there's a guild, that's a great way to get your feet wet with the nonprofit and see and learn what the nonprofit is all about. So I would recommend to people if they want to get actively involved with the nonprofit, I'm sure the nonprofit would be thrilled and to reach out to them directly. Every time I get involved with a nonprofit, I end up being the treasurer. So (laughs) no one asked me to do anything else, but I mean, you know, (laughs) you know, you might as well help out if you can, like for you, you could help out with technology or whatever, but yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, you know, it's great too now to get different ages on boards and yeah, there's, there's so many of them and sometimes finding board members is not that easy. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that goes back to, I think you said it, Matt, leadership is so important, you know, having good leadership in place to make sure that, again, the operational side falls in line as well as then the results, hopefully, at the end of the day. So, well, that's fantastic. I appreciate, Matt, your time. Do you have anything else on, on the topic while we're here that you'd like to chat about? Anything else that the Omaha Community Foundation is doing to get you some, you know, exposure? You know, I would say, and this is not needed exposure, but the Omaha Community Foundation has been fortunate to help facilitate a lot of CARES Act dollars right now and doing so to a lot of different organizations working with the county. And one thing that we are seeing that I just want to mention, because it's personal, but it's also something that's going to have an effect in our community, is we are seeing the arts organizations really struggle right now. And we're going to go through a winter that's going to be very difficult on arts organizations. And so whether that is a venue for music, for film, whether it is you know a, a museum in of itself, or organization that is in classrooms teaching art, it, it's it's been very hurt through the loss of earned income. And then this is, you know, unintentional by donors, but a lot of donors have, have shifted their giving to basic human services, which is important, right? We've right. had a lot of people that we've needed to feed through the pandemic and to house and to shelter and to clothe. But I think I read an article that said some, I think up to 30% of museums across the country could close over the next year. Really? And that's going to be the smaller ones. It's not going to be the big marbled institutions that we all know. It's going to be the small ones that are dedicated to one thing or another. And so as Lisa had talked about the great need through the pandemic, I would just want to focus a little bit and not exclusively, but just a little bit on the arts community that's that's taken a real... That is a great... I even think about the Omaha Community Playhouse and they've been, you know, having shows in the parking lot and these and, and concerts and they're wonderful. I love the Playhouse. What are they going to do in the winter? Right. Yeah. Right. Especially no, if COVID gets worse this winter. So that's, well, no, that's great. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. I mean, mm-hmm. that's something that I, you know, cause I don't always keep in mind, but when I think to how much I love live theater or, or music or my brother's also, you know, very involved in the arts. So that's, yeah, I appreciate you for bringing that up. Kind of a, maybe on a last thing to think about while we're talking, I um, am a big fan of a, a lady who's a legacy planner by the name of Susan Turnbull. And she has this five-step guide for creating an expression of donor intent. So it's a guidebook for determining, you know, what your charitable passion is. And she has a line in there for people. She says, imagine a story 20 years from now announcing an event to honor your philanthropy. What would the headline read? 
Interesting. I'm trying to think about that now when I give so I can be a more intentional giver. But, you know, just start small. It's just like you don't have to, you don't have to, you know, jump right in and donate thousands of dollars. Just start small. Give that $300 that you can deduct on your tax return to an organization in need in your local community. I mean, start that way, if nothing else, and then, you know, see what happens. I kind of laughed because I'm not sure I want to know what mine would say. <laughs> I don't know if you'd be very flattering. <laughs> but no, that's uh, that's fantastic. Lisa, thank you so much. This is, you know, it's always a, a good time getting to talk to you. Matt, I appreciate your time a ton. The Omaha Community Foundation, I think that's awesome. You know, I, I love that, you know, we have this in Omaha. You know, I moved back to Omaha from Denver a couple of years ago and really solidified the fact that we've got a pretty cool community. So there's parts of it that need help, you know, so hopefully through, through people like you and your, your foundation and people like Lisa, we can get them the help they need. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. You bet. Thanks. Thanks Jack. You bet. Bye. Bye. You've reached the end of another episode of let's talk business. Be sure to subscribe, rate and review our podcast on your podcast app, Spotify or iTunes. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to make light. 